Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Mike. And I'm Marty. And this is Two Guys, A League, and Some Guests. Let's get it started. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Two Glag, better known as Two Guys, A League, and Guests. And this week's guest, uh, or sorry, sorry, I should say guest, <laughs> and not plural, uh, is is a uh, head scout of uh, Dauber Prospects, and he's also the host uh, of the Locked On Prospects podcast. We have Se- Mr. Sebastian High with hey, Sebastian, how's it going? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pl- the pleasure is all no ours, problem. Sebastian. Absolutely. And of course, uh, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and of course, our sponsors, DraftKings. So folks, here it is around the boards. And this week, we are going to go around the boards with a lot of prospects. Um, Sebastian, I mean, we'll get right into it here. Obviously, you see Marty's got his uh, Oilers hat on. Um, I do not have my Habs hat on. Uh, but I am a Habs fan. As to that, uh, things have been a little. Tough are you though? If you're not, years, if you're but... doing a hockey podcast and you're not wearing their hat, are you a fan? I don't. I'm not. I don't know, man. I feel like you've uh, jumped ship. Is that what's happening, Mike? Is this well, the discovery? No, no. There's there, there there's no <laughs> ship jumping whatsoever. I'm actually hoping that Sebastian is going to uh, make things even better here as I ask him about our Habs uh, prospects. Um, obviously, Sebastian, it's a pretty exciting time for me. When it comes to the young guns here, uh, I've got lots in the pipeline just to, just to kind of throw a few at you. Can I just kind of get your sense? I, I know that, you know, you've got your uh, draft list that you do uh, over the course of the summer and get ready for the uh, the coming year. So if maybe you can give us a little bit of insight uh, in regards to some of these players. Um, we're sure. looking at, of course, of course, guys at uh, Fowler. He's played 17 for Boston College. He's got a, a 2.16 goals against average, 925 save percentage. Of course, the uh, the kind of gem of the pack here would probably be Lane Hudson. 15 games played down there in the play. Uh, eight goals, 12 assists for 20 points. Uh, Philip Meshar, uh, playing Kitchener Rangers of the OHL, is having a phenomenal start to the year. 20 games played, 13 goals, 19 for 32 points. Owen Beck, obviously uh, a big piece of uh, Canada's World Juniors into uh, in a little bit. He's having a great start to the year as well. 25 games played, 16 14 for 30 uh, and of course, Joshua Roy, who was playing with the uh, Laval Rocket, a pretty decent start to his uh, to his year as well, uh, eight thirteen uh, for twenty one. So, and of course, if there's anybody else you'd like to add, Sebastian, go right ahead. Yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, how are things looking for for us Habs fans and our prospects? I mean, you, you call him the right person. Talk about the Habs. I mean, I grew up in Montreal. I'm a Habs oh. fan. Well, I grew up a Habs fan. So you got the right yes. person. Excellent. That's grew, right, Marty. That's grew right, Marty. up the Habs fan being the key like, word choice here because oh. the more well, the, the more I do scouting work, the more I'm becoming a hockey fan. Like ah, at this point, it's like. Do we get more joy from Christian Dvorak scoring a goal for the Habs or Zach Benson scoring a goal for the Buffalo Sabres? And it's like, it's Benson. Like, I'm, gotcha. I'm a Benson fan more than I'm like a Christian Dvorak <laughs> fan. But in terms of NHL teams, like, I'm still cheering on the Habs. But it's okay. it's evolved a bit more into, like, an appreciation than a fandom, perhaps. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's a fascinating prospect pool. I mean, there are players that... I've watched a lot more of than like, any other team's prospect pool. So uh, very familiar with these guys. Uh, Lane Hudson, as you said, is the gem. Uh, this like He is a truly special talent. Uh, like We can 
we can talk like Quinn Hughes level upside. I'd say I'd, I'd say like wow. within re- within within reason of Quinn Hughes before this season, anything like, like since <laughs> yeah, the start of this fair. year yeah. is is unfair to any prospect. Like, that go. just is not fair to any like <laughs> nineteen year old hockey player. But yeah. in terms of style, in terms of the impact you can have on a game offensively, how you're quarterbacking a power play, how you're able to elevate all of the offensive players around you to really squeeze the very most out of all of them. Like, wow. would Brock Besser be performing like he is this season if Quinn Hughes weren't able to, like, get him the puck consistently and create Point. space for him to maneuver in, right? Like. Lane Hudson is a mastermind on the ice. And going back to his draft year, it was quite clear to me that Shane Wright and Lane Hudson were the smartest players in that 2022 draft class. And since that draft, Hudson's only improved on his processing and his habits. And while he's never going to be a stay-at-home defender or defensive stalwart or get you many hits or anything like that in a banger league, he's going to get you points and he's going to get you a whole lot of them because he will be handed a first power play in Montreal once Mike Matheson kind of graduates and is like relegated to like a second pairing role uh, because like David Reinbacher is not going to unseat Hudson for a first power play. Neither is Justin Barron or Caden Gooley or any of the other 10,000 defensive prospects the Habs have. <laughs> uh, but Lane Hudson was a swing for the fences on draft day. Um I, I'll do my customary slight pat on my own back because I ranked him 11th overall that year, which I think was higher than any other public Beautiful. scout. So I've been, I've been, a, I've been a massive fan of Hudson and I, I, I live streamed uh, the 2022 draft and my reactions to it. And my reaction to the Hudson pick was just like pandemonium. I was very happy uh, that <laughs> the Habs landed him. Um, so Hudson is a really special player that I think Habs fans can allow themselves to get excited about. He's a special player that, Anyone in any type of keeper league should really have their eyes on if you can get him at a discount price for like an established NHLer or young NHL player, do it. He's very good. He's worth your while. Um, and, and beyond that, as you said, there's a lot of other names, right? Like this is a very deep prospect pool. I, I don't think that there's a single team in the NHL that can quite match Montreal's depth in prospects. Wow. Though the high end quality is still not the high, like the best in the league, obviously. Uh, but they they use a lot of draft picks and uh, they have a lot of really good depth pieces because of it. I mean, the one thing I, that I that I would have to say, at least from my end anyway, is there they are lacking that game breaking talent of the yeah. prospects, so to speak. I mean, Lane Hudson probably is the closest to that. And for all intents purposes, he may end up being that player. Um, but at least from the, the forward perspective, lots of great, uh, uh, great prospects, as you mentioned. Um, but it, it just feels like they're missing kind of that one, that one game breaker there. Yep. I mean, I, I hate to kind of compare, but a Matt, Matt Vey Mishkoff type yeah. of deal, like somebody coming through the system potentially like that. Um, but I mean, you know what? Beggars can't be choosers. I'm quite happy with the prospect pool. Um, from what you've mentioned as well, uh, I, I, I'm certainly even that much more comfortable with the, uh, the the prospect pool at this point as well. So, um, listen, I certainly appreciate you uh, uh, going over that <laughs> with us for sure. Certainly puts me at, even at more at ease than I already was. <laughs> so, uh, you know what, um, Marty? I know that you uh, you definitely want to have a look a little bit uh, at what well, you potentially might have out there next. Well, quite frankly, Sebastian, like I'm just hoping you can shed some. Show me that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. A little bit. As you know, this is one of the worst. Yeah. If, 
I mean, arguably the worst in the league. And it, again, it, it's fine. It makes sense. We're in win now mode and, you know, we it wasn't the worst in my estimation, like me and my 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 co-host at Lockout NHL Prospects, Hattie, uh, we did like a rundown of the top prospect pools in the league in like okay. August after the draft. And I think I think Edmonton was like 28th, 29th or something. But you weren't you weren't dead last. <laughs> I think that honor went to the Pittsburgh You're Penguins. So nice. so they, they have you beat. They have you beat. Oh, okay. Okay. But they're, they're a couple in contention. Like the Rangers are pretty low, but they have Gabe Perot, which is something. Um, yeah. but yeah, it, it's a, it's a, it's not the brightest. Like, I think the sad thing is that by far your best prospect in my eyes is out for the season already, which is just not quite ideal. Uh, Bo Aiki, he was your second draft, second round draft pick in this past yeah. draft. And he's a super mobile, uh, uh defenseman who's pr- probably the best rush defender that was available in, la- in the last draft. Really, really intelligent, great body positioning, and his progression throughout the season was great to see. He was like a three times a better player by the end of the season in the beginning. He had a ton of, 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 of progression and he was learning habits. He was integrating uh, his tools into the way he plays. He was learning to layer his different tools into more complex motions where he was starting to do like, like end-to-end rushes by the end and really leveraging his mobility to like create things offensively and and just dominate possession and he's really really fun pretty raw like definitely still has a lot lot room to a lot of room to grow still but the injury is a big setback obviously but every you, sorry what type of injury was it do you know I, I, I just thought he was out for the season and it was from like a month ago already he's been out for a while like he, he only got in like a handful of games this year but yeah, from what I guess um, he's 14, but he had four goals. You're right. He was like, he had total of 11 last year. So he was obviously oh, yeah. a lot. Hugely. And, and uh, some really interesting tools. Like I, I would have been very comfortable drafting him in the back half of the first round. Uh, totally. Like, like I like him more than some defensemen that did get drafted in the first round. Like really? St. Louis picked Theo Lindstein at like, like, 22 or something who I, I thought it was a way lesser defense than, <laughs> than Bo Aki is okay, so something. there's some interesting pieces individually like I, th- I still think that like like Dylan Hallway could still be a pretty solid 3c for you guys Xavier Borgo I don't yeah. know like he he's a bigger wow. question mark where I, I have I'm, I'm a little <laughs> bit less confident in him but there's a couple interesting players, and I've seen a, a trend in Edmonton's drafting that is getting a little bit more modern in the last like two drafts. So I would have a little bit of hope if you have some draft stock in the next couple of drafts that you might see a shift. Like going for a player like Bo Aiki, who's this like raw, mobile, puck moving defenseman, not at all like your big, strong defensive defenseman that like Edmonton would always be drafting in years past. Right, right. You can see a philosophy developing and modernizing a little bit there that I, I i could get a little bit hopeful of, of, of the drafting that is to come and maybe modeling it a little bit after how like the toronto maple Leafs, for instance draft who like the last like two big picks they've made were fraser minton and uh and and easton cowan in the last two drafts are both going to be really present for team canada at the world juniors this year they're like these like pretty physical really physically involved high motor forwards who complement elite skill guys really well they're totally up that like michael bunting zach hyman alley right and they're 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 kind of reaching slightly on these players so they're picking him around like 10 to 15 slots before they're like projected to go 
but they're doing it in the hopes of developing them into players that can complement their already elite skill guys because they already have Matthews, Marner, like Tavares, Nylander, right? You don't need to get another like top six, like right. high skill winger. You want to have a player that can make those players better and that, that right. can elevate their own games as a, as a result. If Edmonton kind of shifts the drafting philosophy to like, okay, like yes, physicality and grit, but let's be strategic about it. Let, let's pick a player that we think can work really well with any of our skilled offensive pieces and can elevate his own game with them. So uh, hopefully that, that's kind of the trend that we get to see now with Edmonton because like Toronto's been doing that for like, like four or five years now. And at some point other teams have to catch on that are kind of trying to build a similar style of team as Toronto uh, and draft players accordingly, because like the Leafs haven't had much draft capital capital recently either, but they st- are still getting consistent like young players coming into the lineup and making an impact like Matthew Nyes, Nick Robertson, Minton and Cowan are not far away. Like they both like stuck around a long time in camp this year. Uh, so there, there's definitely hope for Edmonton. <laughs> yeah, but that's... I, 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 I don't think you're going to be finding a like, prospect talent that can really rival McDavid or Dreisaitl. I think you've got like your exciting piece is already kind of set there, but you can always build a better complementary lineup by being a bit more strategic with the draft picks. It's just a little nerve wracking, though, that we because I don't think you're wrong. I think the concept of like actually trying to get some players to develop to be complementary players actually makes yeah. a lot of sense. My fear is that at some point within the next, I would suggest three years, um, you're really looking at if those if those are the only players you have left and no then, one then to build around. Then, oh, yeah. Exactly, like, yeah. If so even dry saddle or leave like everything is done in Edmonton. It's all obviously. gone. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But like all these complimenting like, players, but no one to compliment. So the strategy right now has to be try to win with this core. Like it's exactly. too good to not go for it. Exactly. And, and even like, even if you are drafting those complimentary pieces, it's like, okay, sure. You still have to get your, your next superstars of the next generation, but right. at least yeah. you have some type of foundation right. That's that they point. slot into. It's not, like the, it's not like the. It's not like Chicago where it's like okay, so we draft Connor Bedard. <laughs> let us go trade for uh, yeah. Perry and Felino. Perry, yeah, that, that, that's gonna. There you yeah, go. that's gonna be the, the, the great thing to do. Playoffs here we put, come. Put him in that situation. Like, like no, like you wouldn't want like a young like twenty two year old NHLer to play with. Not like where where the Habs like had already had Nick Suzuki in place when Cole Caulfield arrived, which was right. rather convenient, right? So right, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. I just honestly wish, uh, in terms of uh, uh, the, our prospects pool, like uh, one of the worst, and I mean, it's the same in, in the NHL right now, it's just, it's the whole goalie situation. Other than Stuart Skinner, like it's such a, a yeah. void and it'll be a void for a really long time, it appears, unless a great trade comes out somewhere, somehow. I was really hoping yeah. uh, Campbell could have rediscovered something in Bakersfield and then, you know, get traded off for something else. But that's not happening. <laughs> There's just losing yeah. across the board for him right now. I feel bad for him. And and Wolfstead was just like right there. Yes. He was right <laughs> there. Like it was yeah. so straightforward. Like this was a goalie who was breaking every record while playing SHL hockey and playing really well. And shockingly, he now leads the AHL in save percentage. Uh, who would have thought uh, that generational goalie talent that drops to like 21st overall is really good at hockey? Uh, and team that needs a goalie uh, probably shouldn't pick him. Why, why would they need a goalie? Uh, I, I think it's goal. 
You have Stuart Skinner. Why do you go? <laughs> Salt in the wound here. Oh, no, you, could, you could be more right, though. You could be right, right. And it, it's painful to hear, but it's medicine that we need to take because yeah. setting ourselves up this way is our own fault. And when I say our own, I clearly mean management. It has nothing to do with yeah. the fans. Um, totally the fans' fault that that that's Esper Volstead yeah. is not an Edmonton Oiler. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Sorry, Mike, are you still there? <laughs> no. Hey, I'm I'm still here, still here. Uh, I I may be a little bit lagging, but um, you know what? We'll move away from obviously Montreal and and, and Edmonton a little bit. You know, we don't want uh, Marty to get too upset here, so <laughs> let's move it over to uh, the world, the World Juniors. You're welcome, Marty. <laughs> the World Juniors, and you know what? Let's just get right down to it. Uh, huge Canadian fan, obviously. So, yeah. what can we expect out of this year's entry for the World Juniors? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting year. Like Team USA is just by far and large the favorite in this in this uh, in this tr- tournament because their roster is just like disgustingly stacked. Uh, they were able to just like not bring Quentin Musty, who is like gross at hockey, and uh, James Hagens, who is going to be the first overall pick in a year and a half time. Uh, they just cut them because they, did, they didn't really need them. Like they could have brought them. They would have been like like the top like line players on any team not named Canada, USA, or Sweden. Uh, but they just didn't bring them because they have so many other guys. And uh, it is it is pretty, pretty gross. Like you have like Lane Hudson, who's going to be playing half the game from the blue line. Uh, and then the second wave on the blue line, you've got Seamus Casey, who is almost as good as Lane Hudson. Uh, so you have like these two elite offensive defensemen. You have the two best goaltenders in the entire tournament, in my opinion, are the two American goaltenders, one of which is Montreal Canadiens prospect Jacob Fowler, who you mentioned off the top, who is very good, and Montreal's best draft pick from the 2023 NHL draft class by a wide margin, though Kanyush Kapolos was also quite solid. Um, but even in the forward court with the States, it's like you've got Will Smith, who might is probably going to be on their first line, but maybe not. And uh, the fact that it's even a question is hilarious because... Yeah. You got other guys like Cutter Gautier and uh, Jimmy Snuggerud and list goes on for a really long time of just very good players. Like you're going to look back on this roster in like three, four years. And it's just going to be like, Oh, that's like half the league's good prospects. Okay. Damn. That's, that's a really good roster. Uh, so for, for team Canada, it's going to be difficult, but uh, I think, I think a lot will depend on just how big of a role they're comfortable in giving to Macklin Celebrini. Uh, last year, we saw Team Canada be really conservative with Adam Pantilli when really playing him in the top six would have given him, them the best chance of winning. Like he was the best player in the NCAA last, last season. And they were like, nah, fourth liner in the U20 tournament, which doesn't really make sense. Uh, but yeah, Celebrini is in my in my eyes that like he is like all like, nine months younger than Pantilli was in his draft year. Uh, so he's, he's, he's really young for the class. Uh, and despite that, he's probably already better than Pantilli was at the same point in his draft year, despite wow. being so much younger. So he, he is a really special talent. He's an above average first overall talent. Uh, he, I don't think there's much question in this draft class in 2024. Who's who should be going first, who will go first. It's Macklin Celebrini. And if Canada, sees that and they're like okay this is your team man you go and just give him the reins then i think we're gonna have a really fun tournament on our hands i think then canada could really go far because he is the one like star power talent that canada has that can match the states and uh 
that said, if they go more down the traditional route of like, okay, we're going to play the older guys and you see guys like Fraser Minton and Matthew Savoy and Connor Geeky really being like the main top line, getting the biggest minutes. Oh, Matthew Poitras as well, who got released right. today, obviously is going to be playing a lot of minutes for Team Canada. Yeah, yeah. Like he's the one like like solid NHLer that's at this tournament. Like I think Tristan Lindo's the only other like player who's played NHL minutes this season that's at the tournament. Um, but yeah, like it's it's going to be interesting. But I think that if Canada goes the conservative route and goes down like, like okay, we got to stick with our older players, like play solid, good old Canadian boy hockey. I don't think that really is going to work against this Team USA because this Team USA is just that good. You're going to have to outscale them or at least match their skill in order to, to have a chance. Team Sweden also looks really good this year uh i think those are like like really the solid bet for the the, the three podium teams this season like czechia and slovakia have some interesting lineups with some, with some really good players like yuri kulik for czechia is going to be one of the best players at the entire tournament like he's been he's, he's been scoring like 0.7 goals a game at the ahl level like it's just gross he's he's a really really good player on top of being like an elite defensive center uh and so he, he he's very good. He led Czechia last year, and he's going to do the same this year. Uh, for Slovakia, you've got some fun players, right? Like like Montreal Canadiens prospect Philip Meshar is going to be like a like a big skill guy up front. You've got Dalibor Dvorsky and Samuel Honzek, who are high picks in the twenty twenty three draft. Nemec is on the back. Uh, he didn't get released. I don't think did he? Oh, no, I don't think, not, yeah, that's true. Like, that's like true. The, the blue line for, for Slovakia is a lot weaker uh, as a result. They, had, they, they actually brought a 16-year-old. They brought, the, I think, the only D-1 like, like in the entire tournament uh, who's been putting up big numbers in U-20 um, uh, uh, Sweden uh, in, in, the, 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 in the J-20. So there's some fun like storylines going on with a lot of these teams. Um, but I think that like... <laughs> It's the betting favorites, obviously, but more so than in, in typical years, I think Canada, the U.S., and Sweden really have an advantage because Finland's going to be without guys like Brad Lambert and Joachim Kamel, who would have been like two of their their big star forwards. And the defensive court isn't as strong as it usually is, and it's overall been a little bit weaker for for Finland in in the last couple years of drafting. Uh, but it's going to be a fun tournament, and I think especially I'm personally looking forward to just watching the states play because if they're if they're on their gear again i'm approaching this from a hockey perspective i'm geeking out about yeah like good hockey systems and and players playing good hockey more so than any nationalism because yeah i'm canadian but yeah i, I geek out more about hockey than i do about nationalism exactly. and patriotism so uh yeah, yeah uh, but i think like team usa could really be just bulldozing the competition if they're on their game and the one advantage that team usa has that you have a lot less with the other teams except for maybe sweden who have that top line that like played together so much in their draft year of like Mackey, ergren and Estland. but team usa all these players play together like you have like four guys from Boston College from Boston, on this yeah. team. Five, like like, like Jacob <laughs> Fowler. Chemistry doesn't matter as much with the goalie, obviously. But it's... at four, you've got Cutter, Goatsy, Gabe Perot, Will Smith, yeah. and uh, and Ryan Leonard. Like it's just yeah. chemistry. 
And all these guys came up through the NTDP. So they've been playing together between age groups, even like for the last like three years. So Amazing. you have an established base of chemistry so much familiarity. That, and familiarity. And like they know each other also as people, right? Like yeah. so much goes into it too, right? Like like yeah. other teams might have, have like some more personality clashes, but I think with Team USA, it's like any personality clashes that exist there have already kind of like <laughs> kind of burned out because like it, it, it's already happened in the past. It's pretty right? seamless. So everything else, like they're there to win and they know each other, they know their strength, they know their weaknesses. And that's a really big professional advantage. So when you add that to the fact that they have like on paper significantly the best lineup at the tournament, yeah. they're by far the favorites. But hey, Canada's always known for an underdog story, and I'm always down for European underdog stories. So if that doesn't go to plan, I'd be pretty content. I'm also never one to complain about the states bottling a victory, but uh, yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a fun tournament. It's always a good time at the World Juniors, but yeah. uh, it's gonna be exciting for sure. I hope you're right. I hope the drama is actually up there, and oh. maybe not the drama. Maybe drama is the wrong word. I hope the intensity and the offense is up there. I, I hope we really get to see a lot of skill, and I know. There is a lot of skill to be had uh, or to be seen, oh, I should sure. say. Um, and again, to sort of reiterate with the U.S., uh, there should be a lot of goals scored, which is that's the exciting stuff. And nice goals. Like you said, like the fact that all these kids played together for so long and are currently still playing together, that kind of chemistry is very rare. So regardless of what country you're from, appreciation towards hockey and just good looking hockey, these kids yeah. should be bringing that. So that on its own is worth watching for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's 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 always a blast at the World Juniors. Like it's such a sure. massive yeah. stage. And yeah. for almost all the players at this tournament, it's the biggest stage they've ever played on. And it, it's just, it, it's fun, like top to bottom. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're talking about the big teams, but there's also small teams like Norway is going to be at this tournament who haven't been here for ages and it's their first yeah. time back. And guess what? They have a player who might get drafted top 10 this year in their lineup and he's going to be their star. Go. Michael nice. Brandstek Newgard, super fun. Probably after Macklin Celebrini, the most pro-ready player in this draft class. Really? Uh, he's really solid like uh, like like player. He's playing like second line minutes in uh, Sweden's second pro division. Uh, and he's done that despite the production not being there basically the entire season. Up until the last month or so, he had like like four points in like 20 games. It was a really slow start production-wise, but he's so reliable. He's so intelligent. And he's also quite skilled. Uh, so he's going to be Norway's like <laughs> sole offensive contributor. Like look, look to him to really be the source of all of their goals. But uh, it's going to be fun because like, there's always these smaller storylines that are kind of fun to track, but uh, it's it's just a great tournament. Actually, just a quick question off the cuff here. Sorry, Mike, well, but like outside of the U.S., they've got obviously got some goalies because for, in my opinion, goalies are frigging hard to come by these days. Yeah. So where should we be looking? What country is also bringing in a top, maybe not a top tier, or just an exciting goalie to watch? I would say both Slovakia and uh, Czechia have some good goaltending. Like, Slovakia has Adam Gajan back, who was their goalie last tournament, who was pretty damn good in that. Uh, I mean, he, he got them onto the podium almost single-handedly, so uh, he, he'd, he'd be a player that I, I think could really be an impact. He was also, like, a high-end, like, second-round pick for the Blackhawks in the last draft. Uh, and the other one uh, was the only was the second goalie draft in that draft right after him, uh, which is um, 
Name escapes me right now. Uh, and I probably wouldn't be able Arizona. to. Mike, Michael Harabal. There you go. Michael Harabal. Uh, he's playing He's playing at UMass this season in the NCAA. And he's really picked up his game this year. He was really a bit chaotic last year, a bit like inconsistent. But he's he's, he's improved the consistency this season. So while he wasn't best in, in net for Czechia, historically, I think that this year could be a, a new Harabal. And, and he's super tools. He's massive. He's really athletic. So if he's on his game mentally... Look out for Czechia because Yuri Kula can put the puck in the net and Michael Hoppel can keep it out of the net. And that's all you need to win a hockey game, right? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Well, Sebastian, I know we touched on on uh, Macklin Celebrini a couple times here. Um, what can we expect out of him at the NHL level? Obviously, I mean, consensus number one pick here coming up uh, next June. Um, you know, what? W- what are we going to get with this guy? It seems to, you know, big kid. So seems to be, uh, seems to be pretty much like you mentioned, uh, an NHL ready prospect, if you will. So what are your feelings in regards to this particular player and what, and how things may translate to the pro league? He's, he gets better in every viewing. Like my, my projection of him now is a lot more optimistic than it was this summer. And it was pretty optimistic this summer. Uh, he's, he's been playing some excellent, excellent hockey. I think, Alongside Lane Hudson, I can't name you a better NCAA player this year than Macklin Celebrini, and he's 17 years old. He is by far the youngest player playing college hockey, and uh, yeah, he he he's a special talent. So Celebrini is a highly intelligent, high-paced centerman. He is one of the better players we've seen in terms of offensive transition in the last couple drafts. He attacks with incredible pace. He spots defenses like defenders' weaknesses and he exploits them with no mercy. He's he's not the like big biggest biggest. I think he's like six feet only, but he's a powerful kid and he's 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 built really solidly. Yeah, and yeah. he wins his board battles. He muscles his way to the net front. He consistently like cuts to, to the middle, uh, like 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 no other seventeen year old player does. So he, he's he's quite physically mature. And that definitely helps in terms of the the projection from being an impactful player off the bat. But it's intelligence. It's the combination of skill, intelligence, the planning, the deception. He has every tool he needs in order to leverage his intelligence and to create advantages with it. He spots things and he has everything he needs to create something out of it. So him and Lane Hudson think the game at like the same wavelength, which is why they've been just so deadly for Boston University this season. Like... When you have two players with boundless skill and like seemingly boundless like mental capabilities on the ice, you're seeing some really special things happen at, at BU. So like like the Boston University Boston College rivalry this season is as good as we're ever going to see it. Like these are the, the two best teams in the country. So Celebrini, uh, uh, yeah, he's a he's a special talent. I think that where as good, going into the season, I kind of saw him as like maybe at the head of a tier at number one, but like there were other players that were kind of within the ballpark okay. with him. That no longer is the case. Like he's separated himself from the pack by a decent margin. I don't really see that gap being made up. Like I love a player like Ivan Demidov, who is like this ultra skill, plays a bit like Matt Mitchkov, but a lot more off puck intensity, less goal scoring, but like the playmaking is more refined and a really, really fun player. I, I'm a massive fan of Demidov, who hasn't been getting all the talk in the world. He's been getting a lot less talk than a guy like Cole Eisenman, who I think is a lot more limited in terms of what he could do at the NHL level. He's a trigger man at this point, but 
everything else is still a work in progress. So he's a project. Um, so I think he's more of a player I'd pick in that that four to seven range. But Celebrini is just a slam dunk guy at number one. So uh, at this tournament too, I think that if he's if he's handed the reins by the Team Canada coaching staff, you could see some really really special things happen because Team Canada has a really good roster as well. Like like the states is is impressive, but Canada has some excellent and really intelligent players as well that know how to use their intensity to to create advantages and to, and to force turnovers and, to, and they know exactly how to turn turnovers into offensive chances so it's going to be a great tournament but definitely keep your eye on Celebrini because I could go on forever and talk about how he plays but you kind of have to see it for yourself to truly appreciate it fair enough I, the, the last question that I have for you myself is listen I I really focused in on uh, Zach Benson yeah. leading up to last year's uh, uh, draft of course, we all know he slid to Buffalo at 13th overall. Um, do you see someone like him that's going to kind of slide down? Somebody's going to benefit massively from it. And just as a, a, an addition to that question, do you see anyone in this year's draft that could potentially do what Benson did and make the roster uh, um, right out of training camp uh, next year? I know that's kind of a little bit of a loaded question, but... Um, no better person to ask than yourself. Yeah, I think in terms of like high value swings, in terms of like uh, players that fall, like Demidov would be one who I think could fall to like five, six, seven, eight range. But he, okay. he's more of like a Mitchkov case. In terms of a Benson case, okay, it's a bit more difficult. I, I don't see one that 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 stands out incredibly that way this year. Like. You see a player like Consta Hellenius, who's a Finnish center, who's also going to be at the World Juniors this year. He'll probably be in a top six role. Definitely keep your eye on him. Super smart player. Uh, he, he he kind of has elements of Benson's intelligence and um, the way he's able to pressure players offensively and uh, the way he's, he moves off puck. But he's not Zach Benson either. So, and, and I don't think he's going to fall because he's putting up some really good numbers playing professional hockey in Finland. So that that's usually a profile that gets picked high. But yeah, I think that, that part of the question is a bit more difficult. I'll ponder on it. Uh, but in terms of a player that can make the roster of the training camp, I'm actually going to go back to my Norwegian friend, Michael Brandseg Nugard, who I mentioned earlier, who's going to be at the World Juniors this year. Apart from Celebrini, he's the one that I think would like help an NHL team from like off the off the, the beat like uh, as an NHL rookie and as an 18 year old like I think other players you could kind of like you could put into an NHL position when they would do okay like I think guys like Caden Lindstrom for instance could have like a Yuri Slavkovsky impact as a rookie which like like Slavkovsky isn't like rookie Slavkovsky uh which is a very different thing from this year's Slavkovsky yeah. but uh in terms of guys that can actually like be, be useful pieces as, as as like first years after being picked, I think Brian's like new guard because the way he plays, like, yes, he's toolsy. He has some really good offensive like abilities. I think that he could be a really, really good, like top six producer. Eventually his bread and butter is defensive game, off puck game, applying pressure for checking uh, and then pouncing on loose pucks, keeping possession, like protecting the puck off of physical pressure, getting it to a line mate, getting to a dangerous spot in front of the net and bang, crash, whatever you have to do, see what happens, which is 
pretty much exactly what NHL coaches want from their bottom six players. And that's already his bread and butter butter at uh, in a professional league this season. And he's been stuck in a top six role in that professional league as a 17 year old, despite having started with four points in 20 games. And uh, let's, let's just say that like second division Swedish pro hockey isn't known for being like a development league. They're not like, here is a young, like 17 year old player. Let's keep him in our top six because he's going to be a high draft pick. It's like, no, if you don't help him win, like you're trying to get promoted back to the SHL. Like that's your focus. Right. It's not to like help this one individual player, but they're keeping him in and they're not the best team in the league by a long shot. But like, still, it, it, it says something about the way he plays. So I think that he, he'd be one guy that I think could really stick it uh, in the NHL, even if he gets drafted in that like nine to 15 range of the draft. Well, geez, honestly, that's that's a lot of really good information. And um, I, I, I every time I start talking about the World Juniors, it, all it does is just get me excited for it. Thankfully, we're not that Appreciate far away it. from it right now. We're the no, we're getting November, close. So we're getting very close. Um, it's I know it's a tradition around most homes in in, uh, in Canada, probably in North America. It's probably pretty safe to say in some states it's just as big, if not bigger. Um, so yeah, definitely looking forward to all of that. Um, I don't have any further questions. I feel like we've kept you on long enough, almost 40 minutes, but I just wanted to say thank you very much for coming on the show. All the information, everything you gave us a lot to go through. What's great about this, uh, folks are going to have to probably listen to the episode a couple of times because there's so much information. Come <laughs> back and listen to the show again. Take your notes, fantasy managers, a uh, lot of, uh, top flight stuff that we got out of Sebastian today. So thank you very much for that. Oh, my pleasure. I mean, it, if Thanks you lot, want Sebastian. more of that dense information, you can listen to my work over at Locked.NHL Prospects, which I do with my colleague and good friend, Hattie Kalakesh, or nice. at Dauber Prospects. Uh, and I centralize all my work on Twitter. So you can awesome. follow me there. I post most things there. So, yeah. Great plug. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Jumped the gun a little bit, but figured no, I had to get out of the way. Anyways, not at all. Right? That was the moment for sure. I felt it. <laughs> 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 All right. So, Mike, anything else? No, no. Just wanted to thank you again, Sebastian, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, you know, a little uh, little old podcast like ours, you know, we're certainly pleased for you to come on and uh, and uh, give our listeners the information that they're looking for. Um, so, again, thank you so much for coming on. Really My appreciate it. My pleasure again. And thanks again for having me on. It's always, it's always fun to just talk hockey and let loose. <laughs> for sure. All right, so right uh, right now, we're just going to take a quick commercial break, but don't worry, guys. When we come back, we're going to go right into Check My Fanny and, of course, follow that right up with uh, our beauties and beasts. Uh, but for now, a word from our sponsors, uh, DraftKings. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877 8 H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 
21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. And we are back with Check My Fanny. And I have to say, it was a good week for the Dragons, and that's my team. Yes. Um, we almost got away with the perfect week, Marty. Almost. Almost did. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that. Be, I'm not blaming it on you. Yes, I'll you blame are. it on the Pawn Hogs. No, you're not. Uh, it wasn't your fault. <laughs> yes, it we was. will blame this on the Pawn Hogs. No, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> so obviously, I was able to catch up to the big boys um, at the top of the standings, that being the Apocalypse, the Royals, um, and a little bit. Uh, I caught up a little bit to the Pawn Hogs. They had a tie, uh, but the Royals and Apocalypse, Apocalypse did lose uh, this week. Uh, Marty came up with a big tie. Uh, came yeah. from behind to uh, tie that up and get a, I don't at least have a point any out of fucking it. players um, like stay dude, ahead I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, but that's okay. You did great. Right. You did great. Just pat me on the head. Tell me I'm a good little, little boy. Point. We'll see if a correction comes in before Wednesday. So we'll see. We'll see what's going on. We'll figure it all out. But uh, I, to, just to basically give you the rundown of the standings here, the Apocalypse and the Royals uh, are both in first place uh, at seven and three records. I do believe Joel has a few more points for, which yep. does give him the edge uh, for first overall. Uh, the Pawn Hogs um, are sitting in uh, what would be third place at six, three and one. Uh, my Dragons find themselves right in the mushy middle. Five, four, and one. The demons uh, are surprising, actually. Four, five, and one. And I don't say that with like the with any uh, malice or in a bad way. But uh, Tom was probably seen maybe as a team that was going to be at the bottom of the standings, and he's pretty pretty close to five hundred, a little oh, closer yeah. than I thought he would be. So that's pretty surprising there. The Cougars, Cougars are four and six. Uh, Brigands two, six, and two. That would be Marty's team, and the Buccaneers bringing up the rear at two, seven, and one. So mentioning all of this because you know what. Even a team like the Demons and the Cougars exactly, are yeah. three games out, ish. Uh, three yeah, wins. There you Let's go. put it. We'll yep. put it that way. They're three wins out. So, so you know what? Obviously, uh, we're all we're all ten games into our season here. Lots of runway to go. I want to say there's probably I think we have twenty six weeks this year. So there's obviously sixteen weeks left. Uh, lots of runway for uh, lots to change. Uh, so we'll see how that all plays out. But uh, yeah, there was uh, it was a pretty interesting week uh, this week. Um, so, you know what, we'll, we'll see how, we'll see how things move along here over the next little bit. I do foresee us, uh, getting into even some more trades, uh, especially after the holidays. I do think some guys are going to probably move some things around here and see what they can figure out before our mid season, but we will see how that plays out as well. That our mid season being halfway through January. Uh, so I think once the holidays are over, we may see a little tweak here, a little tweak there, uh, from potentially some of the top clubs. Uh, or for that matter, some of the teams that, you know, got players that are uh, are of use to some of these top teams and are going to make some deals, as Marty has already, uh, with a couple of trades over the past few weeks. So, um, hey, interesting times in the uh, CFHL, uh, both with the records, uh, where everybody's kind of sitting, uh, and of course, with uh, our midseason coming just around the corner, I do foresee some uh, activity throughout the league for sure. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> Okay. Not not sure. Not giving <laughs> anything away. Marty? <laughs> yes. That's all right. 
You will be giving lot. You will be giving lots away. Giving soon. something away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> should we move over to Beauties and the Beast? Yeah, let's get in some numbers or some players. Sorry, not necessarily numbers. Well, oh, I got some numbers for you. Oh, you I do. Some okay, then. For you and then players some. and numbers. Then so. I'm I'm going to start off with our beauties in the beast this week. Give her. And my first beauty is Igor Sharangovich uh, from the Calgary Flames. 31 games played, 18 or sorry, 11 goals, 8 assists for 19 points, minus 6 in 15-50 time on ice played. Uh you're probably saying, geez, Mike, that's a little off. 19 points, 31 games. I get you, but it's more what he's been doing for us lately. Right. Uh seven points in his last five, six of those being goals. Uh, he is playing on the on the Flames' first line with Lindholm and Mangiapane, uh, and does find himself on the Flames' first power play unit as well. So, for a player who was somewhat buried in New Jersey, in all reality, uh, he's definitely getting an opportunity in Calgary, making the most of it. Uh, in, in particular, uh, the last little while. And one thing I did want to mention is, in his last ten games, his ice time has shot up yeah, like, ridiculously. He's playing about six minutes more in the past ten games than he was uh, at the beginning of the year. So. Somewhere along the line here, Huska is definitely trusting this player. Uh, and, I mean, he, he's he's making him look good. I mean, especially with the, the goal scoring over the last little while. Six goals, and, I mean, you win games by scoring, not by assisting, so to speak. So, <laughs> yeah. You, you know got, what I mean? Exactly. you got to put the puck in the net, and he's doing that for sure, um, making the most of his opportunity. He's Again, we tend to mention a lot of streamers when it comes to our Beauties and Beasts. And this is definitely one of them for sure. I mean, you know, for a rebuilding team, maybe you could see this guy kind of sticking around uh, a little bit more for the long haul. But uh, for any team that is kind of a daily fantasy in particular, uh, this may be a player you might want to kind of bring in and out uh, for sure. So Igor Sharangovich, you are my first beauty this week. That's a nice one. Second is Igor Chin- uh, Chinikov. So I've got a thing for the Igors uh, this week. <laughs> Uh, 21 games played, eight goals, four assists for 12 points, minus four in 14:40 time on ice. So, unfortunately, he does play for the Blue Jackets. Yeah. But having said that, <laughs> he is scoring quite nicely over the last little while. He is a point of game player in the last 10 games with 10 points, seven points in his last five. Uh, if we want to go a little bit more uh, over the last uh, last little bit, playing on arguably what is uh, the Blue Jackets' first line with uh, Voronkov and who you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, uh, and Marchenko. Uh, and he is on that first power play unit with those two players as well. This is another player whose ice time is increasing uh, night by night. Uh, he has been, um, well, he's slowly gotten to night over uh, 19 minutes a night, uh, really starting to heat up on that youthful line. That line is really kind of cooking here lately. Uh, I want to say most, uh, uh, all three of them are pretty close to, if not point per game over the last little bit. Um, but again, with Columbus, you know, yes, you've got Gujar. Yes, Lion is there, although he's out for the next six weeks. But I mean, look, it really is going to be uh, guys like Voronkov, guys like Marchenko and Chinnikov. Uh, they brought back up Ken, jo- uh, Ken Johnson. I mean, this this is where that team's going goaltender da- daniel tarasov it's it, it it's youth guys so i mean in in chinnikov you definitely have um uh a serviceable player for sure uh another great streaming option in my particular opinion um so you know what if uh if you're kind of hit with injuries here over the next little bit or if uh, you're looking for a couple extra main games uh, protect, uh, in particular you may want to take a look at one of these two guys here over the next little while Sharon Govich and Chinnikov um, Chinnikov's my second beauty for this week not bad another one that you might want to bring into the fold here too 
and it's another Calgary Flame, Connor Zary. Uh, he's this guy's quietly put up some really decent numbers this year. 21 games played, seven goals, nine assists for 16 points. I mean, we're not talking about a point a game player here, but that's definitely that's definitely somebody that you can kind of bring in and out of that lineup again, uh, leaning on the daily fantasy here. Um, he's got four points in his last five games, seven in his last 10, uh, playing on a sec- the uh, Flames' second line with fellow rookie Pospisil, and he's got Kadri in- on there for a little bit of uh, uh, experience. Yeah. He is on the Flames' first power play as well. So I, I mention this I mention this too because if these players can get exposure to what would be the team's better players, that's only going to help True. things along, obviously, guys. Whether whether they're actually getting the production out of like Marty, as we know, if the if you're playing with, with great players, like they're gonna eat up these habits that these players yeah. are 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 using as well. So it's it's a bit of a twofold, even if the production necessarily isn't there. Like, you know, you're not playing with plumbers here from the fourth line on a power play. Like, you know, you're expected to do some things, and, and Zeri has been doing that over the last little while for sure. Uh, like I mentioned, he's enjoying favorable deployment, and deservedly, deservedly so. He is making the most of that opportunity. Uh, you know, in Calgary, and we had the boys from Flaming Talk on last week. Um, you know, I, I get the feeling like it, it, it is going to pull... You know, they're, they're going to pull the switch here over the next little while. Uh, you know, off air, we were talking about Elias Lindholm and his potential landing spot over the next little while. You know, there's a lot of talk about that, either Colorado or Boston. So you just get the feeling like, you know, they got the, the extra goalie. So are they going to bring Wolf up and keep him up for the rest of the year? Yeah. You got to wonder if they're going to kind of make this move here and really start to go to the uh, uh, to, to the uh, the youth on that team, you know, such as... Uh, um, Jacob Peltier, and, and again, I mentioned Pospisil earlier as well. So uh, it will be interesting to see how things play out here for the Flames over the next little bit. But I will tell you, uh, Sharon Govich and a guy like Connor Zary really, really uh, eating up some uh, some big minutes. Um, and, and you know what? Getting the production out of it as well uh, certainly helps uh, from management's point of view, that's for sure. Connor Zary, you are my third beauty for the week. Uh, my beast this week, and I had to go back, and I don't think we've touched on him yet this year. Uh, you may have you may have spoken of him uh, throughout the weeks, but uh, I do have him as a beast this week, and we are talking about Brent Burns. Um, last year, made the move from San Jose to Carolina. That was a beautiful, oh, yeah. beautiful season by Burns. If I'm not mistaken, he ended up with 61 points. Um, you know, uh, as advertised, fitting extremely well with that Carolina team, and it's not to say he's not fitting in no, but, uh, this year either, but yeah. the production is not there, period. Uh, we're looking at 30 games played, five goals, eight assists for 13 points. He's a plus 10. Like, I mean, th- there are other things that are, go- that are going well here. Like, I mean, this isn't like a horrible season from Burns. It's just we're used to a certain level of production out of this player, and it certainly isn't there at this particular point in time. Um, he is 21-28 uh, time on ice. Uh, I do mention that um, as he his minutes are down from last year. So, I mean, that doesn't necessarily help right. with production either. But, uh, you know, I think the bigger thing for me is he has been supplanted by D'Angelo on that first power play unit. So if he can ever find himself back there, and also if Carolina can just yeah, kind of get things rolling that's... consistently, um, you know... It, yeah, I, I know where you're going. Like, it, it's been a little bit surprising yeah. uh, the way Carolina's played this year. It's been, suffice it to say, a bit of a roller coaster ride, that's for sure. Um, it's but, been uh, disappointing. You know, we quite... at one point in his last five, four in his last ten. 
So again, that production isn't there, at least to the level that we expect. Yeah. I mean, quite frankly, in Carolina, there's only one guy who's, uh, you know, sorry, actually, there's one, two, three. So there's one guy. Oh, no, he doesn't. I was going to say there's only one guy who's actually got a point a game, and it's not. Uh, he's got 27 in 28. That's uh, Sebastian Aho. But even there, three guys have scored double digits, so 10, 11, and 12 goals. Just nothing's really clicking in Carolina, so it's not just Brett Burns, but it doesn't matter. At the yeah, end of I the know. day, yeah. he's either not contributing or others aren't. It doesn't matter. As a team, they're not contributing. Nobody's really pushing it forward, and it, unfortunately, it means that people like Brett Burns, who were a beast for us last year, I had him last year, uh, complete dud this year, and it's just... <clears throat> nearing the uh the, the point of like you know what once the midseason comes in he's one of the guys I'll, I'll i'll just be dropping i don't see myself losing much sleep over letting him go even if he has a great back half i don't think it matters first of all i don't think he will no. but second of all i don't think it even matters it's not, his stats are not going to get padded in the second half it's just not what's going to happen <clears throat> no and i mean you know it's it's one of those situations i mean from our particular yeah. viewpoint in the cfhl in particular i mean we we know that that you know it's a type of guy that you know can be dropped and picked up dropped and picked up type of deal he, he's he's at that point in his career you know for the longest time this was definitely a guy that was on our rosters uh was being protected but you know we're there now i mean you know i've got a guy like, kind of like that myself in uh in evgeny malkin you know the, yeah. the guy's gonna end up going back into the free agent pool at the end of the year uh but, but i mean is a guy that can potentially potentially put up a 70 point season i mean yep. things maybe have to kind of go right a little bit but but we're, we're kind of there, right? And Burns, even though things are not going well right now, and yes, he's he's definitely a beast for me this week. Um, again, things could turn around in the second half. I I totally agree with you. I don't think that means he's going to be kept by anyone, uh, your team or anybody else uh, for that matter. Um, but you know what? We'll see how things work out for him in the second half of the season. I definitely see uh, Carolina making some sort of a run at some point Something, here. Yeah. Um, does Burns factor into that? Does Burns factor into that? Who knows? We're, we're going to find out, but uh, he is certainly not factoring factoring into no, too much right sure. now. Um, speaking of defensemen, I went to very defense heavy. Every single player in this list of mine is a defenseman. <clears throat> and deservedly so, all of them. Mackenzie yes, Weger, number one, uh, four goals, five assists for nine points in his last 10 games. So simply put, this man has been one of the most consistent defensemen in the entire league in the last 21 days. Statistically speaking, there's only three players that have put up marginally better statistic numbers than Weger, but no one has put up more goals. Fantasy managers, especially those who award goals by a defenseman, you know what to do. Just put him in there and keep him in there. Quite frankly, because of his age, he'd be worthy of a pickup keep even because I'm not suggesting that this is going to be his team down the yeah. road. Rasmus Anderson is still there. Uh, Noah Hannafin is still there and someone else is still there, but it doesn't matter. Mackenzie Weger, I, 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 I do guy. feel he's going to be the one who's going to eventually inherit the bigger, either it's going to be more numbers or the bigger roles, but either way, it's going to translate to more points. Uh, he's proving uh, once again that he can actually carry the load, and it's exactly what he's doing. I mean, four goals in his last 10 games as a defenseman. Again, in our league where you get two points for every goal, that's he currently has 13. Is it so that'd be another 12? So he's got 12 points. No, sorry, 13 points in the last 10 games. Man, my math is on fire. Um, so, yeah, Mackenzie Weger, go ahead. <laughs> 
he's your guy for now. Uh, here's another one. Thomas Harley, four goals, three assists for seven points in 10 games. So another four goals in his last 10 games kind of defenseman. This one is the most likely flying under your radar. Than just like how we just how we like him, really. Playing on the second power play unit, on the second power play unit. Harley has found some love with uh, Johnson and Marsh, uh, Marchman and company. Considering he's currently owned in 13% and starts in only 10% of teams out there, chances are pretty strong that he's available in your league. So may as well take a flyer out on a guy that doesn't appear to be slowing down. Um, on a team that actually is another one who seems to be just constantly going in the right direction. Um, there's some players on that Dallas team that maybe aren't doing as much as uh, they should. I, I'm looking. I'm thinking Jason Robertson, who's just not really doing that 100 point pace that he was doing last year. Same thing with Rupe Heinz, not so much. But the thing about Thomas Hartley is that he's actually on the second unit, where they're actually a lot of those players are actually playing a lot better uh, as of late, and kind of not. I don't want to say carrying the team, but there's a lot of offense in the secondary scoring for Dallas. So Thomas Hartley right now is a big part of that. So might as well cash in while you still can, and maybe just if you're not willing to hold on to him forever, that's fine. I get I get that, but I think there's a justification for keeping him. Um, just if you can stash him. Because he, because again, because of his age, but again, four four goals in last ten games, man, that's uh, some good numbers there. And you know what? Like, I mean, I've got Heiskanen out there, but I gotta tell you, this guy's been really, really impressive, man. Like, I know yes. that Heiskanen's gonna get all of the the, the prime spots first. I, he's gonna yeah. get it all, and rightfully so. But th this is, you know what? I, this to me could equate to a kind of like a Macar. Yeah, Dundee there you case. go. Nice. Like, I, I know, I, I, I know, Taze isn't ripping it up per se you can okay? though and, I, and let's let's be honest like harley isn't harley yes and this like did you see that goal that he scored the other night yeah. kind of tucked it in hey listen that's a defenseman like he went right he joined the rush the whole nine yards nice it's it's pretty impressive the the uh the, the roster that Jim Nill has been able yeah. to, to uh, put together. Big out there. time. And you got to remember, and you got to remember, and we've talked about this before, Marty, the whole <laughs> uh, Ottinger, uh, Jason Robertson and Miro Heiskin were all taken in one. Like you got to give it to Jim Nill. He's, he's not only is he able to kind of pluck through throughout the league, but draft wide, like he's able to continuously uh, keep that prospect pipeline, you know, and it doesn't have to be, first line guys like you know no. top five picks or anything that's like, right he's really doing some damage yeah he's doing some major damage in these drafts man i mean yep. again i i don't want to i i don't want to um uh, keep going here but thomas harley uh definitely somebody you want to keep your eye on for sure no, you're not wrong dallas has got a lot of talent on that lineup for sure it's very very impressive yeah, man um, all right, so moving right along, Travis Sanheim, two goals, three assists for five points in eight games. I currently listed as day to day with an illness. This might be the perfect time to nab him before he hits the ice again. And everyone starts realizing that this kid on this team is for real. He's becoming someone that the Hortorella really trusts, which is hard to do, but when you can get when you, when you can, you get a ton of minutes as a reward. So he's currently averaging exactly 25 minutes. This is by far and away the most he's ever been trusted. Uh, and he's making the most of it, quite frankly. So with the Flyers playing good hockey at the moment, I see no reason why managers shouldn't give him a shot. Because like I said, minutes, uh, you can't score unless you're on the, you can't get a point even uh, unless you're on the ice. And he's shot up another five minutes this year compared to last year. And overall, his average has shot up almost an entire eight minutes. So this is saying a lot. This year, it's really, it's, it's sort of like Terrell saying, all right, let's see what you can do. I'm trusting you. And he's running with it and he's doing very well with it. So other than the fact that he's listed as day-to-day -day with that illness, I wouldn't be too concerned. Uh, go ahead 
ahead and draft him because like I said, this might be the perfect time to do exactly that. Cause he's, you know, he's even more under the radar now. <laughs> you know what, Marty, you hit the nail right on the head. Like this is totally a, a, a Tortorella thing. He is, I mean, he is flourishing yeah, under Tortorella right now. And we, we've seen this before, right? There, there are players, there are players that just absolutely yes. crumble under this guy and, and that type of a coach, yeah. like a Daryl Sutter, right? But this guy here f- completely, like totally a yeah. Tortorella effect. Big time. Big time with this player. And, you, and again, like you, like you mentioned, yep. the guy's running with it. Like these are some, ma- these, listen, 25 oh, minutes and up when you're a defenseman, like you're, 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 you're starting to really, you know, munch yeah. up some minutes here. Like this guy, this guy is in just about every, if I'm not mistaken, he's in every situation. Penalty kills well, yeah, exactly. kill, power play, yeah. the whole and nine yards. Actually, his total numbers, I didn't give it away yet. It's 21 points in 29 games. It's like, that's, that's extremely impressive what he's doing on this club. It's not just recently. He's been doing it the whole season. So yeah, 25 minutes and he's, you know, and he's proving it uh, on the offense as well as a defenseman. Like Travis Sanheim, man, like get him on your radar if it's not, if it's not already too late. In most cases, probably, but you know what? If he is yeah. there, yeah, hundred Uh My beast, another defenseman, and this one at least has an upside because it's Eric Carlson. So no goals, three assists for three points in his last nine games. To put it bluntly, Eric Carlson has fallen off with managers lately, and for good reason. Did we expect him to come out and hear and repeat what he, his totals from last year? No, but his recent struggles has definitely left a lot of managers reason for concern. Uh, perhaps a Christmas break is all that's necessary to regain his form. He's not doing that bad overall on the season, but for managers looking to start gaining distance between them and their competition, which starts now, Carlson's going to need to be more consistent down the road very, very soon. That's the biggest issue with Carlson right now is his consistency. In fact, it might be a Pittsburgh issue overall, uh, but in terms of, you know, if you if if it's a Pittsburgh issue overall, then Carlson is absolutely at the helm of that reason. Because um, in my opinion, that's why you brought Carlson in was to keep the offense going. And if you're just not able to do that, then what the hell are we doing here? Well, I mean, it doesn't help that these guys didn't get a power play uh, goal for like over a month. No. So and and I know that Carlson's a, a, a big a yeah. big part of that. But I mean, look, I mean, I. I'm not, it's not to say that he's not going to have a good year. No. What I will say is this, and I mentioned it, and I mentioned it a couple of times over the course of the summer after the trade and leading into the season. We saw how things went when he went to San Jose beside Brent Burns. Yeah. Things did not go well until basically Burns left. Yeah. Now, listen, there there is a, a big chunk of the season left. I'm not trying to poo poo on whatever Eric Carlson's got going on right now. But this is not surprising to me, at least to this point of the season. Right. Um, you can chalk it up to new team, new system. You need to get acclimatized. And I get all that. But I, I think I, I was proven right a little bit. I won't go 100% yet, but I was proven right a little bit with, again, this whole month where they didn't do yeah. anything on the power play. Like, I'm sorry. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Gensel, yeah. uh, Gensel, Latang, Carlson. Yeah. E- listen, even if there is going to be some grace period for these guys to get acclimatized to themselves, it, it doesn't Shouldn't. take a month, bud. Like they went a month without doing yeah. any damage on the power play. With that, the power group. play is 27th so, overall in the league. So that I, says you know, it all right I, there. I, like it, it's certain. I mean, it's a concern. Like if if I'm Scott, 
and and for those listeners out there, Scott is the uh, uh, manager that owns this player in our pool. Um, you got to be concerned a little bit here, yeah. Because not only did the power play not really do anything, but if I'm not mistaken, now Latang is on that first power play unit. They did pull oh. the switch, and they do now. I don't know if it's back to Carlson now right. or not, but I know just recently that they pulled the switch at, at least for a couple of games. I'd have to double check, but. So again, you're sitting there and you're like, okay, so now he's on power play too. Like he's certainly not getting exposure mm-hmm. to, you know, the, the top end guys per se. Where is this going to go? And, you know, th- this was a player that was obviously uh, uh, productive enough that Scott kept him. So chewing up some 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 massive space here on his roster. So you, you got to hope, at least Scott, I'm sure, is hoping that he can find some sort of a groove here. But. Um, and that's what sucks the most about Carlson for fantasy managers is that you can't really afford to drop him so much as you can't afford to start him, but you, you, you're damn well better protect him because you know, what's going to happen. You're going to release him. Someone else can pick him up. He's going to get hot and you're going to kick yourself in the ass later. You can't drop him. The potential is still there. And the thing of it is too, Marty. And I know you're going to, you're going to understand completely what I'm talking about here. Scott lets him go. Somebody else gets him at a discounted price right <laughs> so i mean yeah. like yeah exactly you know you throw that's a kick oh, in the teeth. somebody somebody throws a second or third round mid at carlson you know what i mean now i'm not saying that this is gonna happen but you know what i mean like it's, it's to prove your point like yeah you can't let him go because of what he just did i mean the guy scored for a de- de- yeah. defenseman he scored over 100 points last year like that hasn't been done. Yeah. I think we talked yeah. about it in like 25 years, 30 years or something or whatever it was. Uh, so 20, I mean, yeah, few and like far yeah. between here. Yeah. So you are caught, be- literally <laughs> caught between a rock and a hard place with this guy. But you know what? This week, he is a beast. Eric Carlson. 100%. And there you oh. have it. That's, that's, that's episode 14. She was choppy. She was choppy, but that's episode 14. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to everyone out there for listening. If you are interested in reaching out to us, you can email us at two guys, a league, and some guests at gmail.com. You can find our latest episodes on our website at twogalag.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter for all of our info. Our handle is at twogalag. That's the number two, followed by G A L A G. Thanks for listening, and until next time.